Father, I pray that in the sense of your presence, in the sense of your word, in the sense of the gathering, in the spirit of unity, where you pronounce life and blessing. Lord, may we have that clarity as we look into the lens of Scripture together. We don't just look at the book, but we truly listen to the author in these moments where we realize you are transitioning the church in this hour from rooms full of consumers who love listening to ministers to become rooms full of ministers who love listening to God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's listen to what the Lord is saying. Just take your seat and we'll just stay in the spirit of capturing the heart of God. Do you sense the transition in this season of the church? Um, you know, so much of what's happening is we're learning the language that God is giving uh, to carry the culture that he's releasing. Sometimes I just uh, hear the essence of a reverberation almost, but I, I want to say that again. I want you to really think about what I'm, what I'm saying. In this hour of the church, God is giving us language <clears throat> to understand and explain <clears throat> the revelation that he's doing in the church. And uh, there's a real transition that's happening and if we're not careful, we, we just keep migrating back to our old way of thinking, applying some of the new concepts without really becoming the new people that he's called us to be. But you can't put new wine in the old wineskin without bursting the old wineskin. So we want to become the new wine, uh, the new wineskin. It's not just about embracing the new wine. You understand there's a process of our becoming that actually positions us to be able to carry what it is that God is desiring to reveal in this hour of the church and so what what we've sensed it's just so interesting but so much of what's built and um, you know we've just been on this journey of repentance there are a number of pastors right here and and we've been on in these uh, calls these zoom calls interactions and conversations and so much of what we're doing is we're just repenting for the way we've built and asking the Lord to help us get it a little more right than we used to. Not that we're going to figure it out because we're all on a journey just trying to find our way. But this is what we've learned. The church, by and large, uh, much of what's been built is what the Bible would describe as wood, hay, and stubble. And Jesus, in his mission of church growth, is walking through that which has been built, flicking matches in every direction. And only that which survives his turning up the fire is that which needs to remain. And so we're trying to just get a picture of what that looks like. And I don't want to go into some type of a um, book promo, but I do, I just, I, I realized we've been on this journey, some of us having these conversations for a few years, and I'm learning that there are some things you're not going to possess as a Christian unless you learn to pursue them in relationship with other believers who are standing in that place of pursuit with God. Give 
us. When you pray, say, our. Everybody say that with me. Our. First word Jesus said when he's teaching to pray is not the individualistic terminology. It's the collective, corporate, body of Christ, unity, family, our Father, not my Father. Give us this day our daily bread, not give me my. And there's just something so important. And, and I'm realizing I've, I've learned so much by just being in relationship with other leaders that are saying we want to explore the humility of Christ where we in times past have maybe chased after an understanding of authority. God is actually revolutionizing that where we now are chasing after a revelation of humility. And in the kingdom of God, humility always precedes authority, and authority can't be handled well unless humility is first the foundation that's laid. And so we've been having these interactions and conversations, and I'm just realizing, you know, the Revival Ready book that Steve's brought is cover-to-cover conversations we've been having over these few years. So I would really encourage you to take a look at some of the books available out there because contrary to the example of the early believers, many churches today have been built on things that, other than Jesus Christ. Perhaps it is the foundation of charismatic leaders, latest models for growth, changing worship styles or preaching methods. For some, it is the foundation of social justice work or pastoral care. These things are not wrong and will probably play a part in the life of a Christ community, but in themselves they cannot replace the foundation of Christ. There's a lot in that statement, chapter whatever that is. And I, I, I was just reflecting on this the other morning and realizing another book that is out there, Religious Confusion, is a book that I've actually written, and I, I just started thinking of all the overlay of what God's been revealing. Chapter 5, Celebrities and Servants. Uh, celebrity leaders help you believe what God is doing in them. My teaching gift. You need me. You need my ministry. But servant leaders help you understand what God is doing through you. Celebrity leaders paralyze the church. Servant leaders mobilize the church. Jesus didn't die, so you could merely go to church. <laughs> I mean, these are concepts and ideas that we've been able to put in these structures that uh, our staff all has the revival ready now. What would it be like to take your leaders through just chapter by chapter digesting some of these comments? And I mean, all we're saying is I feel the Lord's given us a word, a revelation, a, a base to help the body of Christ come alive to be who God's called the body of Christ to be. First John chapter 2. You don't need a man to teach you. It's a really confusing verse when somebody's standing up trying to teach you. But it's clearly written in the Word. You don't need a man to teach you. The anointing will teach you. What that means is if we move past being consumers and learn to be producers, it doesn't matter who's speaking at church that day. I'm hearing from the Lord myself. It doesn't mean I don't honor voices of leadership in my life and I embrace them and honor them, but I'm learning from the Lord my God. He put His Spirit in me. I actually am supposed to abide with Him. I, I, there are some people who come to church to watch. And there are some people who come to church to worship. Which are you? I hope neither. 
Some people come to church to watch. Some people come to church to worship. Some people come to church worshiping. And the Lord is trying to awaken that level of maturity and growth and development as he's turning up the fire to burn away those things which need to be burned away. If you would turn to, in your Bibles to Leviticus 6, we're going to take a look at the fire. Uh, how many of you are ready to be used mightily by God? Isn't it great? I, I, I'm just thinking what I'm bringing, the whole element of servant leaders, celebrity leaders. And then, you know, Steve gets up, and, and what does he do? He gets up and starts to read Scripture, and he doesn't take the approach, listen to my masterful oratory of Scripture. He's simply reading verses, and what does he say? He empowered you. Pay attention to what the Lord is doing as the water of the Word is washing over you. This is worship. This is what's taking place. This, this, this is what Jesus does in all of our lives. He tries to activate us into an understanding that we should be encountering God in the way that we're walking with Him. And so I just today, I, I say... You are the king's priests and prophets of the kingdom of heaven who have been planted in the earth in the five-foot circle of your life. The people that are within your reach are the people who should be encountering God through your surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. As you look to him and allow him to minister through you, your world becomes a better place. When we come to church, our lives are enriched. When we become the church, our world is enriched. Religious confusion holds us hostage to just coming to church for our lives to be enriched. But we should be empowered to be in that abiding place, and everywhere we go, we're only doing what we see the Father doing. Opportunities come, and I'm praying and discerning if those are actually decisions that should be made. We should be more about the business of discernment than we are about decision-making, but we're in such a capable society that we just run churches like we run corporations, and we wake up people in the realm of confident, arrogant, bold, blessed, and highly favored. I'm going to accomplish everything for the Lord, and we're not even paying attention to the Lord, yet we are are blessed and highly favored we should just be that in a spirit of humility and when we're in that spirit of humility that's when we carry great authority not because we want to pursue authority but because we want to pursue humility and out of that pursuit of humility the spirit of christ is awakened within our lives in a powerful profound way how many of you want to be used mightily by god it's not a trick question it really is a good thing to be used mightily by god how many of you want to be used mightily by god how many of you are ready for resurrection power? You cannot have a resurrection if you do not have a crucifixion. The Bible actually says unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it does not produce fruit. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So the key here is not living well on behalf of the Lord to present the gospel in a way that we're representing him well. The key here is not living at all. It's dying. Paul said, I die daily. Every day I want to die to myself. I don't know if you understand or not. You are not as loving and kind and gracious as Jesus is. And so if you'll stop trying to represent him well and simply die to yourself, he will actually love others through you. He will love the unlovable. He will embrace those around you that you normally would not give the time of day to. But the Spirit of Christ awakened within us begins to cause the kingdom of God to come alive. And that which God reveals within us actually has the power to transform the world around us when we're surrendered to the Spirit of the living God. And the Lord's turning up the fire. 
Uh, the fear of the Lord is an emphasis in all that we're sensing right now, isn't it? The fear of the Lord. Well, it's kind of hard to understand the fear of the Lord because uh, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but the fear of the Lord is a good thing. And so um, this has really been a helpful thing for me, just a perspective. I want you to imagine with me that you've, um, you're out. Who, who's your craziest friend? You got that person in mind? Like they're always doing something crazy. Just point to them if they're in the room. Don't point at me. <laughs> Never mind. Bad illustration. You're out with your crazy friend. His name is Rickety Rickety Rap, and you are walking on a, 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 a train bridge, this long bridge, train track bridge, you know, this like built with all the wood. It's high above this body of water, and, and it's a long bridge, and you get like halfway through this bridge and and your crazy friend says let's jump in and you look down it's like that's a long way down and they jump and you're thinking to yourself there's no way I'm going to jump in that water but they've already jumped in then they come up and they say come on in the water's great and you're thinking to yourself I don't know what's under the water I don't know how deep it is I'm not going in and you then you hear it the train is coming and the train enters the bridge and you realize you cannot outrun this train in the middle of the bridge to get off of the bridge what are you going to do everybody say it You don't have to say, Lord, I pray that you deliver me from my fear of jumping. You just have to look at the train. The greater fear having its work will take you into places God desires for you to go. The fear of the Lord. The fear of man exists. You're not going to get rid of it. it. It's not going to leave you. It's just that there is a greater fear that you should embrace and learn to live in so that the fear of man will never hold you hostage no matter what anybody has to say around you. The fear of God has your heart. He's turning up the fire. I was praying and just saying, Lord, what is it that we're supposed to focus on uh, on this Saturday morning? I knew I'd be carrying this particular time slot. And, and I have different people that are my accountability friends that we, we exchange, you know, just where we're reading, what we're sensing, and making sure we're staying on track. And one of those friends for me is Cody Payne, somewhere over here. And Cody uh, I just I got from him his devotion that morning where he was reading. I was sitting there listening to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit had prompted me what I was to talk about, this text out of Leviticus chapter 6. And I, I'm not kidding you, within three minutes of me writing it down and reflecting on what God was revealing, I got the text message from Cody, and guess where he was reading that morning in his devotions? Leviticus 6. So I just believe the Lord was confirming this is a really important text for us. So let me just point to this in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13. Fire, everybody say fire. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. Fire should burn how? Continually. 
Fire should burn how? Continually. If you're going to have continual fire, you're going to have to have continual fuel. You cannot have continual fire if you do not have continual fuel. Now, this fire is interesting. It's kind of, uh, when you start to look into all of this, what you'll find three chapters later, there begins to be definition of where this fire comes from. This fire comes from the presence of God. There's this altar that would be prepared, and then fire from the presence of God would come and burn up that which was on the sacrificial altar. You cannot have continual fire if you do not have continual fuel. The fire never falls on empty altars. It is our sacrificial pursuit that is met with the fire of God's presence as our way of life. Sacrifice is part of the deal. How many of you are thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? That should not be the only sacrifice we talk about in the church. We follow his example. So God commands this continual fire on the sacrificial altar. And we see this fire without ceasing. Maybe you get where I'm trying to lean into here. Fire without ceasing was very central to tabernacling with God in the wilderness. Fire without ceasing was very central to worship in the temple. Know ye not? Know ye not? You are the temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Unceasing fire from the presence of God in the temple actually continues today on the sacrificial altar of the pursuit of the presence of the Lord our God. Fire comes from His presence. Our sacrificial pursuit draws the fire from heaven. God said, I'm turning up the fire. Fire without ceasing. Fire without ceasing. Fire without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing. Fire without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. The context then continues and it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Lord, we need to understand the work of the fear of the Lord and the work of the fire of the Lord. We can never become who you've called us to become if we do not purpose to stand in the place of your presence, in the place of the fire of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire. We're to carry that fire. We're the temple. Fire without ceasing, prayer without ceasing. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. We carry this fire everywhere we go as we abide in Him. 
That's what it takes for us to show up worshiping. You're more of a consumer the more concerned with you are who the concern the more concerned you are with who is ministering when you're concerned with who is ministering then you're you're in a consumer mindset <laughs> nobody amen that I'm going to put this into practice if anybody asks me. So who's ministering this Sunday? (laughs) What I want to say is hopefully you. Because what what we find in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, says that our God is a consuming fire. In the first chapter of Hebrews, verse 7, it says he makes his ministers a flame of fire. (laughs) So he's a consuming fire. He makes his ministers a flame of fire. You don't need a man to teach you because the anointing will teach you. You stand ministering to the Lord as you then minister to others. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you don't have to be officially assigned to the greeting team to be kind and gracious to people around you. You can show up early even and not be formally on the team just to put into practice an extra measure of humility because you're asking the Lord to help you learn what this is really all about and the way you live your life. I don't know if you understand or not, but you don't have to have a greeting committee at your workplace to show up early and be that to the people around you because the Holy Spirit is putting that in your heart to actually walk in the humility of Christ and just serve them, no strings attached. What would happen in the world if we stopped trying to change people and just started trying to love them? The more you try to change them, the less you're going to love them. So stop trying to change people and just love them well and see what God might do. Come on, let's all clap that in. Let's just draw it in. Let's just release it over the workplace. Release it over your five-foot circle right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, we're releasing something in the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Oklahoma City as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the state of Oklahoma as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Texas and Colorado and Arkansas and New Mexico as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this nation as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in England as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the nations of the world as it is in heaven. Wake up your church. Turn up the fire. Turn up the fire, Lord. What does something like that do? To the atmosphere. In our day of fasting and prayer, we shared the story. Um, Henry, who's sitting next to Steve, someone asked him if he was his bodyguard yesterday. <laughs> I wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> Henry's wife, he leads a church in Dobby. Uh, not too far from where Steve's church ministry is in 
let me rephrase that. Not too far from the ministry that Steve stewards. It's not Steve's church. <laughs> you're, not, you're not my youth pastor. You're not my worship pastor. I don't like hearing that. This is my, this is not my church. I've been here for over 30 years. This is not my church. So let's just make sure even our terminology, we get this right. If we're, if we're going to really walk in the sense of humility that the Lord desires for us to, we've got to understand some of these basic things. And so God's charged Henry to steward a ministry. <laughs> That's maybe an hour or so from uh, the ministry where Steve is stewarding. And Henry's wife one day said she just felt the Lord asking them to pray. And so they just got the word to their church family, thinking, you know, a couple of people would show up last minute, late night, going to start at 10 o'clock, pray till 2 a.m. And uh, they were surprised how many people showed up. People are hungry. And so a num good number of people showed up, and they prayed, and they, they didn't, clock watch at 1.30 and think, just 30 more minutes, let's just get this thing done. He said, finally around 3 a.m., they tried to calm the fire to conclude the time of prayer. What's interesting is a little bit later, he's sharing how um, before he left to come to the U.S., <clears throat> a couple came to the church, and they had had a God encounter in their community. And they didn't understand it. They were not Christians. They just encountered God. They, God came to them and said, hello, I'm God. I don't know how it happened, but they, they experienced God. And so they, <laughs> wow, Siri's talking to me. I'm preaching. <laughs> and so they, they came and they, they Googled, they, they found a church and they came and said, we've had an encounter with God. We don't know what to do. They led them to Christ. Henry had to leave the country and his wife is there following up. To, they're like, so hungry he said their appetite was just alive they want more what do we do where do we read what do we how can we go they, they wanted more and as he was sharing the story i hadn't put it all together but then esther just pointed out you've prayed through the night and someone in the community had an encounter what happens when we stop living the consumer-minded disposition and allow him to turn up the fire and we sense it in a moment where we start saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and everybody's clapping their hands and we're all cheering and shouting and I don't want to stir you back to that but I just want you to understand there are those moments in time you need to pay attention to a wave of the spirit that God is trying to bring you into and it might be reading the book of Acts out loud. You don't know what your religion Releasing, not just to this generation, but to your great-great-grandchildren. An assignment gets established in a generation beyond your years. How many you know God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine? We are a force to be contended with in the earth. So, I, I felt this was an important part We're called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Keep the fire burning in the temple. Stir the coals morning, stir the coals night. We're singing about this. You realize this is what we're singing about. Day and night, night and day, or night and day and day and night, let incense arise. That's what we're talking about. Stir the coals in the morning, stir the coals in the evening. 
The coals, the wood, where did that come from? It came from the dirt, grew from the dirt. The nutrients of the dirt exist within that. That gets burned up. Where did you come from? You came from the dirt. What do you put on the altar? That which came from the dirt, you lay it on the altar, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. As you lay yourself on the sacrificial altar of the Lord, you get up extra early to spend time in prayer. Through the course of the day, a hundred, five-second, ten-second prayers, what are you doing? You're just bringing it back to the altar. You're constantly facing the altar. That's what they did. They surrounded the, the tabernacle, and everybody got up and came out of their tent, and the first thing they saw was the presence of the Lord. You and I just learning to walk in the presence of the Lord, and as we stand in the fire of God, in the presence of the Lord, the fire comes from the presence of God. As we stand in that space, in that place of the fire of God, something in our lives starts to be burned up. Um. I'm just not sure how to explain this. It's been so alive in me. I've been praying it just over and over for weeks now. Um, maybe the best way is, who in here would say it's possible you are the most humble person in the room? Just raise your hand be proud. Let me see. <laughs> it doesn't work, does it? And, and I, this is the thing, you're never going to fully accomplish humility. You won't. You will never fully accomplish humility any more than you will fully destroy pride. So if we can't fully destroy, destroy pride and we can't fully accomplish humility, then it seems pretty hopeless. And it should, because the gospel in and of itself is impossible in our humanity. We've painted the portrait of, of a gospel message that's very accomplishable because the basis of it all is just a good moral life where we're pointing to Jesus, and that's not the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I say, Galatians 5.16, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many of you have a flesh in this room? I don't care how born again you are, you still have a flesh. I promise you, just don't take a bath for a week and your flesh will have a voice. <laughs> so so you're, here you are, you're living in this flesh and your flesh does stinketh, as the King James would say, and it will stinketh up your attitude and it will stinketh up your marriage and it will stinketh up your friendship. It will stinketh up our worship and it will stinketh up this message. It will stinketh up anything that you allow it to have rain. But if you live by the Spirit in the presence of the Lord where the fire of the Lord is to burn continually, then the flesh is what begins to be burned up in that moment. This is very difficult in the flesh in and of itself, but it's what you're designed to do. And with God, all things are possible. You actually are designed by God to be in communion with God 24 hours a day, seven days a week as your way of life. And the more we stand in the fire of God, the more we burn up those aspects of pride and lust and greed. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm turning up the fire. What that means is he's dealing with our flesh so that we will become more inclined and aligned with the Spirit. So I say then, live by the Spirit in the presence of the Lord, in the fire of God, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
don't try to be more humble because as soon as you try to be more humble, you're going to accomplish that and it will escape your grip and it will attach you, attach to you somewhere else. That's the essence of pride. Being more humble is not the key. Being more dead, that's the key. So the uh, worship team's going to come and you kind of see the essence of where we're going with uh, our focal points, just a lot of just getting into the presence of the Lord. Did you notice uh, last night we didn't have a big, hard beginning? Like, hey, welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. Uh, this morning we didn't have a big, hard beginning because we're just, we want soaking worship. That's an atmosphere that's just inviting to the Lord. And listen, if you come in and you're attentive to Him, you might actually start to align yourself in a deep place of worship before anybody ever says, it's time to worship. Those are the people who show up worshiping, not show up to worship. And then there are those who show up to watch. We're all on a journey. And we're all just trying to find our way. And God's gracious enough to help us all. But I just encourage you, <laughs> let's bring our fleshly inclinations into a posture of the fear of the Lord, allowing the greater fear to have its work and the fear of the Lord and the fire of the Lord just to burn up what needs to be burned up within us. I think there's a verse that will, will come up on the screen. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For God is working in you. So we're, we're learning as a church family right now how to convert prayer into Scripture. I'm sorry, into prayers. Uh, scripture into prayers. And so take a moment, would you? For God is working in you. Just Pray that prayer in, your, in this moment where you are. Thank you, God. You are working in me. Look, we're hearing verses of Scripture, insights of your kingdom, music, beginning to play all of it has the ability by your spirit to penetrate into our existence to collaborate and cooperate with the work that you're doing in each and every person here <laughs> thank you Lord you're working in me Come on, would you stand? For God is working in you, giving you the desire to do what pleases Him. We'll, we'll read the rest of it in a moment, but giving you the desire to do what pleases Him. Would you just voice a cooperation? Thank you, Lord. You're working in me to give me the desire 
not just the directive, not just the command, not just the demand, but the desire to do what pleases you. And the more I stand in that place of your presence, the fire of God, the more that desire comes alive and all the wood, hay, and stubble of opportunities that have nothing to do with the assignment of the Lord, that all begins to fade away. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power, the power to do what pleases Him. This is not in and of your own strength. This is the power of God at work by His Spirit within you, inspiring and empowering you supernaturally in the desires of God, in the power of God. We fulfill the assignment of God. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Night and day, day and night. I wake up in the watches of the night longing to meet with the Lord my God. When can I go and meet with God? In this dry and weary land. Come on, declare it. Sing it for us, Chrissy. Well, we just receive that right now. Be awakened. For God is at work within you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him where you live in a holy state of communion with the Lord your God as the sons and daughters of God who are in the earth carrying the mantle of the king of all kings and the expression of God's kingdom. Turn up the fire, Lord. Turn up the fire, Lord. Lord. 